Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. Today I get to chat with the author Avriel Kenny and I am super excited. I'm a big fan of her books. I love her characters. I love her setting of far north Queensland. I love her Instagram page. I love everything about her. She just seems like such a kindred spirit. We've recently been chatting about our mutual Anne of Green Gables love so I'm sure that that will no doubt be in there amongst our chat as well so get excited for that. Her books are being re-released as the B format so the smaller ones and they're going to have new covers so we thought we'd talk about that but really this is just a general chat between two people who wanted to chat I think and call it a podcast because she's too busy to justify just chatting and and she's too important for me to be able to just ring up and say can we please have a chat now (laughs) I was delighted to have the opportunity to chat with her and I cannot wait to get started love her books huge fan do yourself a favor and follow her on Instagram because far north Queensland is a beautiful beautiful place and her grid is all just so sunny and so pretty and just so tropical waiting till you see it thank you very much can't wait to get started exactly what I expected you to look like (laughs) you look lovely oh you too look at your big smile Oh, and you're wearing yellow and everything. It's so nice to meet oh, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is lovely Hi. of you to take the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, I'm honoured to be wasting your time. Thank you. Not at all. You're not wasting my time. I've been so excited all weekend. I've been talking about it to my <laughs> oh well it was an honor to review both your novels they are fantastic congratulations and to talk about books it's just so oh absolutely yes I would have been chomping at the bit so far away up here in Cairns so it's just so it's wonderful to be an author right now and to be able to talk now to yeah well that's the idea behind reader book as well that just yeah we're so lucky to be alive now it's wonderful so how did you get the idea how did you even come to being a writer you've loved books all of your life I think yeah all my life I always tell the story that I was five years old when I decided I was going to be a writer and I was sitting in the back of my mum's car going to flower markets in Sydney because she was a florist mm-hmm. and I'd just finished the faraway tree and it was I remember it was sitting on my lap and looking down and going well that's it I've got to be an author so I just knew <laughs> um, and you know I didn't have the like thought oh I'm wonderful at writing it was just I have to be a writer and then I've just always written so it's been my entire life has been driven towards writing and becoming an author but specifically I didn't just like I wanted to have a book and hold a book of my own so obviously that first moment that you hold a book of your own is just overwhelming in the extreme uh, I think it must be your own books you know like as a child I would be stapling together books and then I would when I discovered a binder well then I would bind my books and you know it was always about producing that I was going to self-publish before I was actually oh um, right I didn't know yeah. yeah so I had determined I was going to be published by the age of 40 and that came up quite quickly oh doesn't <laughs> so, it yeah. and once I tried a few slush piles without success I thought well I'll just self-publish not just self-publish it's a 
mammoth undertaking. Oh, it is a but mammoth job, yeah. And that would have been holding my own book, whether self-published or traditionally published, still would have been that overwhelming moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the rainbow gold that Emily talks about in. Congratulations. Both your books are set in far north Queensland. I assume then that your any future writing that you'll be doing will also be You've got a real connection to. I have. It's more that I'm in love with far north Queensland, and so I guess I have always identified with Anne Shirley in that. I'm so in love with Prince Edward Island, and for me, it's I'm in love with the tropics. But that's not to say that I recently went to the UK and I felt like I could write about any part of that country because I was so in love with everything I saw. So for me, it's more about something that enchants me. And if I feel that there's this just this part in my chest above my heart that kind of lights up, it's like a creative glow. And if I'm in love with landscapes, my thing, I suppose, and it's yes, the way that it, yeah. it, that's for my characters to live out their lives. If I'm in love with a place, I could write it. It's just that I live here at the moment. So my first two books have been set here and they were sort of fulfilling childhood dreams of places that enchanted me. So the volcanic lakes and where I grew up here on the, the creek. So they were places that as a child, I'd spun so many stories about them that I couldn't not write about them. And my third book is set here as well, not connected to the first two books, but it is set here. But my fourth book, I've already setting um, quite far away from where I am, but that's somewhere that love with so and I'll have to do some research there which is terrible having to travel terrible, terrible. <laughs> children can come for that I think I might have to go <laughs> so you do get the landscape first and then create the story around because your latest one the girls of Lake Evelyn couldn't possibly have been set anywhere else I think it is. It's. It reminds me of when you were, well, for me, when I was a child and I would play with my dolls, I'd set up, you know, I'd build these massive doll houses out of styrofoam boxes even. You know, it was always about that setting first before I would play any imaginary game and I would go out into the yard and walk around making up stories, just talking aloud stories. So it was always about, yeah, where I was setting my characters and then it, it's like a the, the heart of the story and the emotion would be there, but then the characters kind of take that on their own and they, you know, I'm might be able to think, well, I want to have a female character and I would like to have a, a love interest and I would like to have a maternal figure, but it's the characters themselves. If they're not living and breathing, you know, they become dolls that are laying on the ground, not doing anything. It's very yeah. hard to, yeah. but yeah, it is that setting. It's that the dream feeling of wonderment and enchantment, and then it can be alive. Right. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm immersed in it and it, yeah. it has to feel fun and exciting somewhere that I would love to spend time. Otherwise I, I would love to write a contemporary book set in a city but I don't know that I would have that same sense of it living and breathing Mm-hmm. Gosh, every author is just so different with all of your processes. It just shows yeah. that there's no one right way. Exactly right. Yeah, I feel that it has to be something that comes from your heart. And so if it you do have to follow your own process and what works for you. Mm, wow. The other thing that I think comes across very obviously is this friendship. You really do the relationships just so well. Yeah, yeah. I love just watching relationships. Both readers and writers, I think, share that, that you can just be on a bus and be overhearing a conversation and making up the whole backstory in your head of or just trying to figure out what's going on yeah um so yeah I I drew very much on relationships that I have with friends and sisters and my own mother and you know not the relationship between for example Vivian George and her mother is completely different to my relationship but you know it's always you're drawing on your experience and yeah I had a keen interest in psychology at uni so I not trained in any way but I love the psychology of human interaction I just love it you know I love sitting 
I love learning about it. So I think I'm the same. I mean, I think readers, you're right. Readers and writers are definitely like that. We love people and love watching what makes people do things. Dave, my partner, we can be walking along, listening to the same conversation, overhearing, and he's just not interested at all. He barely hears it even. And I've already created a backstory and (laughs) worked it all out for myself. Well, I mean, I sometimes wonder if it's women, but I don't think so. I think it's males can be the same. But, you know, that's the fun thing. I think it's fun having teenage daughters that, you know, they come home with all the intrigues from high school. And I love even that, you know, I <laughs> sing and then you reflect on your own past, you know, as a teenager. And it's wonderful. I really enjoy that. My grandfather always used to, we'd go to a shopping center and he didn't want to shop. He wanted to just sit there in the middle of the shopping center and just watch people. So I think if you have an observer and I've always felt like an introvert and I just want to sit there and watch it. So yeah, yeah. It, we must just constantly be telling ourselves stories. And in a way it's when you write, it's like I'm observing it. So it's coming out of my fingers while I'm watching it as a movie in my head. So, I mean, in that regard, once my characters are really driving the action themselves, it is like observing it. And I'm like eavesdropping on a conversation. And I remember as a child, I would walk outside and just talk these conversations in accents and all sorts of things. Oh, and it wow. Was, it was really yeah. strange. It was like, I just, and I didn't have a television growing up. So maybe that was my problem. But yeah, just needed to just talk these conversations out that I was hearing in my head like 30 seconds before. So I feel like it's it's almost like people watching in my own book. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. That, it's incredible, isn't it? But you did grow up on a dairy farm and quite isolated as well. Well, it was outside of a small town in New South Wales on the South Coast. And I love yeah, that area. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, you know, I didn't have a TV. I was the oldest sibling. So I would just be, for the first three years before my brother was born, I would be trailing my dad around. Actually, I'd get up first thing in the morning, which I rode into the girls of Lake Evelyn. I'd get up out of my cot by 18 months of age, like scale over the edge and go down, <laughs> trot down to the um, dairy. And um, yeah, I wouldn't come back with my dad till the milking was finished with my cloth nappy, like drooping down between my legs. <laughs> and, yeah. So that was my childhood. It was always a lot of wandering around the farm and that vastness as well of that feeling of the landscape being vast, which is what I do love about far north Queensland is, you know, these staggering mountain ranges and just green as far as you can see the trees. And that's something that was very much just in me from a small child. Wow. Oh, gosh, it's incredible. So there's nothing else that you could be doing then. This is what you're born to do. Well, I think so. (laughs) But there was was many years there where I was a mother first. And that was the other great love of my life or great hope of my life was to be a mother. So that was quite consuming for me. But again, that's got a fairly big family. Four children. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's that was quite busy for a number of years. But there's still it's that same part which I try to convey through Fable's experience. There's that same part of my heart that feels like where I pour love into motherhood, I pour love into my books. So I don't, I try not to say that books are like giving birth, but it is that same feeling of you pour that creative heart, that love into it, you know, and then also you can't control them. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you can't control their development. And so in that way, it's that guiding them, but letting the characters live their own lives. Oh, such a lovely way of seeing books. I think it's, yeah, it's so magic. It's just beautiful. Thank you for, for explaining it to me. As a reader, I won't ever get to experience that type of creativity in it, but I think it's akin to setting up and running a small business maybe 
like you put everything into it and you hope, hope, hope. And then at the end of the day, there's nothing that you can do. Yes, yeah. well, I think everyone creative and, you know, it is it is the same with a small business that you're pouring your individuality and love and mm. creativity. You know, even your podcast, it's the way that you are shaping it and it does take on a life of its own in mm. who you're interviewing. And, yeah, it's... Yeah, everyone's so different and everyone's got that different feel and the different, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reader takes their own from a, a story. It's the same story to everyone, but it's ultimately you recreated in your oh, mind. Oh, I know, isn't it? We're all bringing our background and yeah your own experience into reading it it's just yeah it's I I have to confess I used to say when I was younger that if I didn't like the ending of a book I would reimagine it in my head because I hated sad endings so I would sit there at the end I would close it very not throw it but very frustrated (laughs) and I would reimagine the ending because I couldn't bear to leave it like that in my head leave it sad oh wow gosh (laughs) (laughs) see as a reader I would just sit there and cry over it and oh my goodness these poor people and yeah. <laughs> but I didn't take that powerful next step of rewriting difference between a writer and a reader. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry to authors whose books I've changed in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking now of a million and one different stories that I yeah. solved it through the ending for that I could have reimagined. Well, so what are you reading at the moment? I've actually just finished The Palace Papers. It's actually like oh, a... Oh, um, yes, yes. Yeah, by Tina Brown, which was yes. fascinating, that thick. Um, yes. That was- interesting you know I think this book was published in 2022 goes right back to I believe it starts at the death of Diana fascinating yeah I really enjoyed that I read that last year and it was yes I'm so shameless I don't know why I'm so interested in the royal family but I just royal watcher too yeah Yeah, it's it's just watching it's like the ultimate reality tv show (laughs) like it's like that generational soap opera that our grandparents had and then our parents and yeah and my mum used to have the magazines around yeah, all the time my nana did so it's funny to see those young people that you grew up with like prince william now he's got his own children at the same yes. time so I, I remember when a, prince harry was born there were little prince harry dolls yeah <laughs> yeah no, I'm a bit shameless yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was really interested in kate middleton i had never not known that that was not a sure thing like they actually had broken up and i got that from tina brown like she had all of the inside girls that was so much fun uh, yeah, she certainly had inside goals. I found that probably the most engaging because you don't learn a lot about them as a couple or as individuals. So to find out about her family upbringing and just because they were, well, not an ordinary family, but, you know, a family who'd come from very middle class and that was fascinating to me. Yeah, it was. It was so fun. And so tell me about your books. I think they're getting re-released in May, the, the smaller editions with new covers. I love your covers. I'm so sorry to see them with new covers. I love the, the original covers with the very realistic landscape of final Queensland and they just look you can take one glance and think oh that's final yes. Queensland yeah um so love that the new covers I guess I would describe a bit more whimsical uh-huh. they're less um, photo realism and more like a, like a slightly darker vibe for the girls the of Lake Evelyn. yeah that's and then those Hamilton sisters have a, quite a romantic look, which oh, again, very sort of feeling in the story and uh, that more romantic, whimsical, I guess, taste to those Hamilton sisters. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited with them. They're really lovely. They're sort of getting new readers who might see those covers and it speaks to genre that they read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it, how much goes into the, the business of the covers and how much it's just not the case. You do judge a book by its cover. You do, you have yeah. To. And yeah. Designed both my covers here in Australia, and I just love her work. Every time yeah. the first 
time the cover came through for those Hamilton sisters, I cried and cried because they had been these three young women in my mind. And then here's this cover and she had, she'd got their hair color, you know, that, that was yeah. them. Yeah. And they, that was like seeing your book turned into a movie for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can't even imagine how magical that would be, but it must just be so surreal. Getting say over covers overseas. And so yes. it's, I know not that I have a lot of say here, They've, but it's, it's interesting to see what covers will come up in different countries. So the, the, for example, this cover here, which I can show you there, it's just so beautiful. Oh but yeah. That's gorgeous. Yeah. And yeah. you know, they're, they're all different and they're all for a different market. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? And so have you got a third book coming? Is there more coming our way as a reader? So I have a third book coming out probably in the first quarter of 2024. I don't have Excellent. that publication yet nailed down, but yeah, we, we shuffle oh, around. As long as there's something to come, that's oh, fantastic. No. <laughs> for Mother's Day next year. I'm on deadline at the moment, so I'm writing frantically. Oh, I bet. And, um, Living and breathing it. So yeah. um, I'm hoping that my mood will improve <laughs> for my poor family's sake. <laughs> the of motherhood and writing. But yeah. And then hopefully I can get to work on the fourth book once we've, yeah. Which is not that. far North Queensland. That's going to be a whole different setting. Will be, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping to do the research trip for that in about September and we'll see how we go, yeah. It's oh, it's funny, funny because you're writing a book and then you're getting these little, like these intruders <laughs> that will pop in with something and, and you're trying to stay on track and not think about that. But it's I also like to believe that it's building there in the subconscious mind and it's, mm-hmm. you know, little things coming together. Oh, we start yeah. the notes document with that where I'll just something random will come and I'll quickly write it down, but try not to dwell on it because I want to leave that germinating. Wow. Oh, it's just so fascinating. Okay. I am going to let you go because I know how busy you are. That is ridiculous. You should not have ever spoken to me now. Oh my goodness. Thank you oh, so, so much. You've got so much to be doing. Oh, I was really excited to talk to you. And especially, you know, when we've been connecting recently over the, the Blue, Blue Castle. Blue Castle love. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I speak to a kindred spirit who loves Ellen <laughs> Montgomery. You know, I well, it. I spent my whole teenagehood thinking I was the only one who loved Anne and there's a whole world of us out there. <laughs> no, and I was the same too. I was given the first book, this hardcover, beautiful book my grandmother had read to my dad from. And she gave that oh, to me when I was you are so lucky. And I, but I had no idea that she existed. And so my nana at the little farmhouse, you know, she had this huge room filled with clutter. She hands me this book and it was like life-changing. And I yeah. had no idea from this summer holiday my life was going to change. And then I madly read the whole series and then read all the books I could find of hers. And yeah, life-changing. Didn't know that other people loved it because it was quite old fashioned in the 80s for me yes you know, yeah what- absolutely yeah I had the similar sort of in at a secondhand bookshop saw Anne Anna grabbed it it must have been very cheap or else I wouldn't have yeah absolutely just fell in love then saw the series then realized that there was a whole series there yeah my mum knew about the books and then said to me oh by the way there's a series and my uh, <laughs> my heart's gone what you know and then I got to fall in love with Gilbert yeah oh um, yeah I never watched the adaption of during the wartime where they kind of changed oh no don't yeah (laughs) that was horrific that's not for a fan that's no I love Driller of Ingleside so much Mm. that's my favorite after Anne so I couldn't do that yeah I <laughs> loved Rilla I think that's just wonderful thank you so much I will not waste any more of your time I know that it wasn't a publicity you know day or anything I know that you've only just squeezed me in and I cannot thank you enough it was wonderful to meet you, you. <laughs> thank yeah, you I just so much <laughs>
Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there. And that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free. And I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.